4: Some of the things he's been talking about, he says Ukraine is an integral part of our own history. Eastern Ukraine is ancient Russian lands. Modern Ukraine was created by communist Russia. Ukraine was not able to achieve stable statehood and has therefore had to rely on countries like the United States. He says it's riddled with corruption uh, and with
5: the plague of nationalism and so on and so forth. This has been quite the historical diatribe here.
4: Yeah, Putin gave a long, rambling, ahistorical speech yesterday to justify sending in troops that he's calling peacekeepers. They're not. They're just soldiers invading a country to stop a genocide that is not happening. Um, his rationale, according to Benjamin Witz, who is a lawyer-thinker with one of your big think tanks, said, Here's a detailed explainer on the international law basis for Putin's actions in Ukraine. There is none. Uh Yeah.
3: He's just and, making and I noticed up. you. You uh, called it an ahistorical description of Ukraine's traditional Russianness, etc. That's certainly the impression I've gotten. He he did a long rambling, mostly fictional description of how Ukraine's always been part of Russia, always should be, and the, the very idea of a country of Ukraine is fictional, blah, blah, blah. It, re, it reminds me of what we've said many times. Every uh, air square inch on Earth has been owned or controlled by various regimes through history, and the idea that you cite one specific moment in time and say there, there's proof that you know, whatever, Texas should be part of Mexico, or Ukraine should be part of uh, Russia.
4: That's just ridiculous. It, it, it wasn't yesterday. You don't get to take it. On where this is going, let's hear from Richard Haas with the Council on Foreign Relations, clip 43 there, Michael, then I have much more on this. One can easily imagine scenarios where fighting breaks out between uh, ethnic uh, Russians there, or now the Russian
5: military, who have gone into eastern Ukraine, and uh, government forces. The real question is, and this gets into the Blinken diplomacy, can you... keep a bad situation from
1: spiraling much worse. I'm not wildly optimistic. So I think we have to you know, keep our powder dry, but we also then have to be prepared to use it if and when things get uh, considerably worse than they already are.
4: Things could get considerably worse than they are. There's no doubt about that. Uh, It doesn't help when you've got um, people buying into the language that Putin used yesterday. Here's a Reuters headline. From yesterday, Putin orders Russian peacekeepers to eastern Ukraine's two breakaway regions. As pointed out by the dispatch, the Reuters headline looks like it was written by Russian media. There are no Russian peacekeepers or breakaway regions in Ukraine. Putin ordered a foreign invasion force to move into the sovereign territory of a country called Ukraine. But... Uh, you know we often ask the question why do these dictators go through the charade that everybody sees through because you get enough people like you know Reuters, and i'm sure there are other media outlets uh, i nbc several times i heard yesterday and uh, putin has sent in peacekeepers what why are Good you Lord. going why are you going with his words Oy. i don't mind if you mention as part of the reporting troops that he's calling peacekeepers because that's just reporting on what happened yesterday. But if you're just referring to news peacekeepers, you're doing his propaganda work.
3: That's why. The media is just so terrible now. I just think it's that it's a bunch of woke 20-somethings as opposed to grizzled old cynical professionals ink-stained hands, which it's always been.
4: Uh, now it's, it's a bunch of kids who have no idea what they're talking about. Um... One other interesting aspect of yesterday, so uh of course Putin uh gives this weird speech and it's clear that he's going in and uh starts to go in and everything like that. So they have an emergency UN Security Council meeting on the Ukraine crisis, chaired by Russia, which currently holds the presidency of the Security Council meeting. Oh, it's just too good. So ha <laughs> oh, oh, it's almost Laughable. I'm laughing. I guess that by definition makes it laughable. Um, The the emergency UN Security Council meeting about Russia invading another country was chaired by Russia because they're the current president of the Security Council. Right. Right. And you just, you know, because there are certain permanent members, and you just rotate them around with the ridiculous unicorn-riding childish view that all countries are equal and should be treated the same.
3: Well, maybe we should kick it over to the Human Rights Commission, where Iran and North Korea preside.
4: That is just hilarious. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, So uh, here's something I found pretty interesting. An article in, I think, the New York Times. The comedian-turned-president is seriously in over his head, talking about Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. Now, I take this with a giant grain of salt. It's pretty critical of Zelensky, but I could... uh, find you uh, serious journalists who have written the same article about trump obama biden and bush for instance you know so
3: right absolutely well and uh, although i'd like to hear what they argue i would argue that you could somehow genetically splice maybe we could put dr fauci and peter Dazak in charge you could genetically splice winston churchill abe lincoln and margaret thatcher together and they would be over their head ukraine's got no cards That'd be one
4: weird-looking beast right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, as Russian threat looms, and this was written by a Ukrainian reporter, but again, you could find plenty of U.S. reporters that would write very awful articles about whoever. Um, so whether this guy's accurate or not. But he, he makes some points that I thought were pretty interesting that I didn't know. We've talked a lot about how uh, Zelensky is a, is a YouTube actor that ended up president kind of like as a, well, what could be worse than what we've got? Not realizing that he'd be involved in an impeachment and, uh, you know, a war as president. As Russian threat looms, Ukraine's government is no laughing matter. President Voldemort Vla- uh, Zelensky, a former actor, has surrounded himself with advisors from his old comedy troupe. No kidding. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I did not know that. Nations have chosen their leaders from among many fields, including the military, academia, and others. But Ukraine's government might be the first to draw heavily from television and film comedy. Before turning to politics, President Zelensky was a television actor and comic, and he has placed uh, allies with similar histories in key positions throughout the government, including top advisors, legislators, administrators, and even an intelligence chief. At a time when Russia has built up forces on Ukraine's border...
3: The intelligence chief guy was at least from like a spy show or something (laughs) like that.
4: Oh, it, 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 in the long article, it actually it gives the credits for all these people, and it'll point out like his national security advisor is the guy who who wrote the scripts for Mom's Got Three Kids, you know, the hit TV show on the evenings, and they and then his and then his economic advisor is the star of Dad's Home, which was also a hit show. I mean, it's it's all like that. It's wow. hilarious, really. Yikes! Yeah. Uh, few have any experience in dipl- diplomacy or warfare or government in any way. Um, and whether or not you think that's a big deal, I don't know. Um, let me read a little more from this. Uh, Ukrainian investigative news site has counted three dozen people with ties to Mr. Zelensky's comedy studio and his family who are now in government, including in national security positions at the Defense Intelligence Agency, which is tasked with monitoring the Russian buildup. That's interesting. I didn't know that aspect. On television, Zelensky played a school teacher whose tirade against corruption is filmed by his students, winds up online, and goes viral, propelling him to the presidency. In a campaign of life mimicking art, Zelensky, because people, I think, thought this would be ironic and funny, named his political party after his television show, his television show, which was called Servant of the People. That's the name of the political party. They named it for the TV show he was in. Good name, okay. Actors, filmmakers, and media executives led the party and followed him into power.
3: So if he'd been on How I Met Your Mother, that'd be the name of the the party? I, I
4: guess so. Um, Zelensky trying to avoid the criticism. (laughs) Celebrity big brother. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Go on. This is deadly serious. Um, but the view that only comedians run the government is a stereotype promoted by opposition parties, according to one of his advisors, noting that many non-comedians also serve. (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) I mean, I I realized that statement was was meant to uh, to help you out, but it, it sounded like it made it worse. Oh, there's plenty of people. Not everybody's a comedian here. (laughs) To avoid playing into the criticism, Mr. Zelensky has said he he has not told a joke in public for two years, and he sternly declines to do so.
3: All right. Okay. Wow. Wow. You combine that with undeniably weak American leadership right now, and that, you know, one of the disadvantages of uh, uh, democracy, if you will, a republic and elected uh, leadership is that uh, leaders come and leaders go, policies come and policies go. There are upswings and downswings of competence, um, <laughs> you know, various qualities of, of government, that, that sort of thing. And and you know, in in Putin's eyes, in his cold, dead eyes of a shark, uh, you've got weak leadership in Ukraine and very weak leadership in Washington. Now's the time, and Yakov's, China's watching carefully.
4: Yakov Smirnoff is a tank commander, I think, Michael, if you're wondering. Wow. Um, wow. So, one note in uh, in Zelensky's favor. First of all, uh, that was a pretty bold move, leaving the country over the weekend, giving a strong speech that made sense to me, then coming back. The Biden administration last night told him to get out of the country. Had you heard that story? Biden told Zelensky to get out of the country because Kiev could be overrun at any time. And, and, you know, he's almost certainly on the, on the list to be arrested or, or, or assassinated. Um.
3: Which, by the way, is worth noting. Allegedly, according to the intelligence services of several countries, uh, Russia has a list of people who will be arrested, persecuted, executed, sent to concentration camps, whatever.
4: And Zelensky's almost certainly on that list. But Zelensky says he's staying. So to his credit, as a comedian, he's willing to go down with this country. And the argument from his side is Ukraine is the second most corrupt country in Europe behind only Russia um in that part of the world and he probably brought in the only people he thought he could trust that mm. he believed weren't, you know, going to lie to him or take bribes.
3: Right. Right. Wow, what a situation. Yeah.
4: He's under you a know, lot of pressure.
3: I'd like to get more into the speech Putin gave and the reaction to it by uh... By various authorities and thinkers, just because it's a, such a great uh, view of what propaganda looks like, and how if it presses the right buttons domestically, it doesn't matter if it's complete hogwash. It it, it doesn't need to be truth based. So we'll we'll jump on that in a little bit. I've re- read the uh, translation of a speech. It's long. Uh, okay, I skimmed parts of it, but uh, man, it is. It's nuts.
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. He sounds like a crazy person.
3: I think he well, might like- be. A- well, it's like when I say, how long will Canada continue to sit on
4: our Yukon? I mean, it's it's that level, but he was serious. I'm joking. Right. Um, yeah, so a lot more on the way. Um, 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 God, I had another good thing, but I can't remember what it was. Trust me, it's not Ukraine or COVID. It's something good. All on the way. Armstrong and Getty.
3: right now live with us how about this gentleman right here right here
2: my friend how are you this morning i'm doing good what are you gonna sign on that finish line what do you think i'm gonna sign i'm gonna sign joe biden oh no 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 we're not doing that sorry about that that
3: was live that's the that's the risk we have here when we broadcast live I guess they let fans sign the finish line at
4: Daytona, the Daytona 500. What are you going to ride on the line, NASCAR fan? Oh, of course I'm going to ride F. Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) True international pressure.
5: Come on.
4: Let's go, Brandon. It's good enough, my friend. These are weird times we live in. Speaking of sports, I don't know if I just saw the video of the giant melee that happened in a college basketball game between Michigan and Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been on this story. That started when former Fab Five star Jawan Howard and coach of Michigan, he says the coach of Wisconsin grabbed his arm during the high five handshake thing at the end of the game after the game was over. Yeah, it's a little more complicated than that. But yeah. But so one team was up by 15 and had their subs in, but the other team was doing the full court press on those guys. So It was one of those, you know, who started what.
3: And then the team with all the subs in called a timeout with 10 seconds left. And Juwan Howard, evidently, that crossed some sort of unwritten line of horror for
4: him. But so the giant 6'9 coach of Michigan slapped the other guy in the face, and then it was on, players and coaches and fans and everybody. Yeah, yeah,
3: more or less. That's That's what happened. Yeah. So he's been suspended for the rest of the regular season. Nah. for the Wolverines. So, I don't know. It's good to see coaches beating on each other, though. It's not <laughs> at all the sign of a decaying society.
2: Oh, jeez.
3: Oh, speaking of people beating on each other, I thought this was some really good analysis. Hannah Myers, who was with the Manhattan Institute, is looking into the various so-called criminal justice reforms, and she specializes, she was talking a lot about New York, but here's what you never hear, and this is so obvious, so obvious. And let me say as a little uh, preamble, in a society like ours, we should constantly be looking at criminal justice and the right of the state to imprison us and take away our rights, make sure our rights are always being enforced, make sure the police are always in line, that sort of thing. Anybody who loves liberty ought to be a fan of that sort of thing. But these so-called radical left criminal justice reforms are wreaking misery, death, Loss and horror on, drumroll please, black folks in a lot of the high-crime neighborhoods. The skyrocketing victimhood is a hell of a lot of African Americans. And Hannah Myers, director of the Policing and Public Safety Initiative at the Manhattan Institute, has said... A lot of these policies were designed explicitly around the idea that blacks are so disproportionately represented in people arrested, prosecuted, convicted, incarcerated, trying to design criminal justice policy to back-engineer that number, to be more on par with the racial demographics of every society. That in itself has created a bigger problem. And as I read, I was reading something the other day. It was so great. They pointed out you can't go downstream of a problem and solve it backward. You can't start with too many black men going to prison. Say, therefore, the solution is fewer black men in prison. you got to go upstream of the problem. And the problem is you got a hell of a lot of black guys committing a hell of a lot of crimes. Now, are they disproportionately arrested and jailed, etc., for even that proportion of crimes? Worth discussing. Let's take a look at it. That's fine. But again, sharp rise in crime victims who are way disproportionately black. Do those lives matter? For instance, their happiness, their life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Does anybody care about those poor people? Maybe Juwan Howard can slap them. He just walked the street slapping the hell out of the criminals. He's got a reach, too, because it was an assistant coach he slapped, and that guy was like two guys away. Slipped over. Ow! He just hit me. You over there? (laughs) Joe
4: Joe read the entire Putin speech in the original Russian and is going to tell us what Putin said.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
0: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of
3: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
5: Americans should care uh, because we're entering a new Cold War with the Russians. And they are the major exporter of gas to Europe. Um, you saw that prices now are at seven-year highs. That's going to affect every American at the pump. The Russians are a country with basically offensive cyber capabilities that are roughly at parity with the United States. You remember when they uh, attacked the colonial pipeline, brought a lot of Americans offline and lacking energy. Uh, they stopped doing that when Biden warned them for a few months, but they've now called the Americans bluff. So cyber attacks are likely to come again. That really matters to us as well.
3: That's Ian Bremmer, that was Ian Bremmer, indeed, who's uh, been uh, very, very uh... You know, astute on this topic. I've been following his Twitter feed and that sort of thing, and he's getting virtually everything exactly right. Uh, once again, the giving away of America's in, energy independence is one of the worst things any president has done in a very long time, but don't want to get hung up on that. We, uh,
4: but a bunch of uh, a bunch of pundits are saying gas is going to go up. Oil is going to spike. Gas is going to go up. So our already record-high gas is about to go up a lot. With the resultant, you know,
3: effect on inflation, even more. Will this be enough to get the senile old man to recognize that the environmental left cannot be yanking his chain anymore? You know, the the great Joe Getty energy doctrine is we can be working as hard and as fast as humanly possible toward green energy, renewable energy, whatever you want to call it. While we maintain energy independence or. Or we can work toward green energy while we're slaves to repressive regimes that are way worse on the environment than we are to produce the same amount of energy. I just, it's so crazy, it's so dumb, I can barely
4: comprehend that anybody would go that route. But that's the nature of politics. I actually dug up some statistics last night on how we are nowhere yet with electric cars. So we should get into that conversation uh, later because gas is about to spike green progressives are going to talk about electric cars as if that's a thing. It's not a thing. It's not a thing yet. Not even close to a thing yet. Wow. Okay, great. Uh, so let's get back to
3: Ian Bremmer uh, for a moment to set up the uh, the Putin speech, which was something, and some analysis of it. Uh, Vlad unleashed discreet, explaining why he was snatching up Ukraine yesterday. Clip number 59, please, Michael.
5: But why are the Russians doing this? Why do they care so much about Ukraine? Because Putin believes that the collapse of the Soviet Union was the greatest geopolitical disaster of the 20th century, and he's trying to rebuild it. And you will see that with the new constitution in Belarus on February 28th, it will no longer be neutral, it will no longer be non-nuclear, and the Russians will likely establish permanent integration and bases there. You will probably see it uh, in places like uh, Moldova, where the breakaway Republic of Transnistria right now is looking to place the same request for Russian recognition that you've seen from Donbass in the last 24 hours, and most importantly, 44 million Ukrainians that Putin never believed should have been independent. They should have been a part of the Soviet Union in Russia, and he's trying to rebuild that right now.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good summary of what he was trying to
4: say in his long, long, Apparently off the cuff screed. It really looked like Putin was talking off the top of his head. Now, he wrote a long op ed last year. So I think he was, uh, he had, per- he had, you know, he had prepared for that and then he was just r- repeating what he had written a year ago with his nonsensical to all historians arguments about why he has the right to go into Ukraine. But he got angrier and angrier as he went along. He like worked himself up into a fit. And by the end of his screed, he said, and those of you who replaced the legitimate government, because he had put in a puppet government in Ukraine years ago, they were overthrown by, you know, the actually elected government. Those of you who overthrew the, um, the legitimate government are going to pay a price, and we've got your names. So, I mean, he's, he's full on threatening
3: the people that are currently in charge. Oh, and the whole, uh, you're going to decommunize, I'm going to show you what decommunizing really looks like. Right. Yeah, he whipped himself into the state. I have a feeling he got into when he'd stick a knife in somebody's eye uh, back in his KGB (laughs) days.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I didn't realize he was a perpetrator of eye knifings. Are you shitting me? That's right, Ian. We'll have more from me and Bremer in a moment or two, although I do believe he is over egging the pudding.
5: So Slightly. I I think that you may be over egging the pudding a bit by saying okay. that this is the year we found out she is a communist.
3: Anyway, where were we? Ah, yes, back to the deadly serious Ukrainian situation. Um, this analysis written by a trio of journalists or New York Times in a speech to the Russian nation on Monday, President Vladimir V. Putin buoyed his case for codifying the cleavage to rebel territories from Ukraine by arguing that the very idea of Ukrainian statehood was a fiction. With the conviction of an authoritarian unburdened by historical nuance, Mr. Putin declared Ukraine an invention of the Bolshevik revolutionary leader, Vladimir Lenin, who he said had mistakenly endowed Ukraine with a sense of statehood by allowing it autonomy within the newly created Soviet state. Quote, this is Putin. Modern Ukraine was entirely and fully created by Russia, more specifically the Bolshevik Communist Russia. The process began practically immediately after the 1917 revolution, and moreover, Lenin and his associates did it in the sloppiest way in relation to Russia by dividing, tearing from her pieces of her own historical prop, uh, territory. As a misreading of history, it was extreme even by the standards of Mr. Putin, a former KGB officer who declared the Soviet Union's collapse the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. Yes, he actually said that. Ukraine and Russia share roots stretching back to the first Slavic state, a medieval empire founded by Vikings in the 9th century, but the historical reality of Ukraine is complicated. A thousand-year history of changing religions, borders, and peoples. Uh, the, the capital was established hundreds of years before Moscow, and both Russians and Ukrainians claim it as a birthplace of their modern cultures, religions, and languages. So, again, the idea that Ukraine didn't exist until Lenin created it in nineteen. 19- Nineteen twenty-five or whatever—that's just not true. It's not even close to true.
4: But as we always ask, who is this stuff for? Who? Wh- why did he go through this?
3: Got to be for the d- domestic audience. I mean, it's it's really—and re- I know it's lazy to uh, to go to Hitler, but it's so <laughs> reminiscent of the. Uh, I just, I happen to know more about Hitler than most other uh, megalomaniacs of the 20th century, having read more than any normal human should. Uh, it's so reminiscent of so many of his speeches, Hitler's speeches at Nuremberg and such. Michael, the Hitler ding is for gratuitous Hitler references, not carefully researched, and nuanced references to world history. Look, Look it up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, just the whole argument about historical lands and and the the, the people and the language and the history of the just... And and he whips the crowd up, and the crowd says, yeah, yeah, they did steal our lands. They are trying to fence us in, yeah. And as any careful reading of, uh, I don't know, the last 10 years or so politically in the United States could tell you, people freaking believe anything. So it's...
4: (laughs) So so that's what he's about. Did he actually invade or not is a question apparently we're asking. It seems to most normal people that he did invade, but we'll explain that coming up next. Now Vladimir Putin's
3: unlikely to invade your home, but some scumbag who wants your stuff is unfortunately uh highly likely to give it a try if they can. That's why simply safe home security is so fabulous. Uh, we're big fans of the new wireless outdoor camera from Simply Safe. It lets you know what's happening outside right from your phone and alerts you when anyone approaches so you always know who's there. Including yep. when's the package dropped off, when are the kids home, that sort of thing. You know, not to
4: mention the aforementioned scumbags. Yeah. And, uh, they can dispatch police, firefighters, EMTs to your home 24 seven. Professionals are ready to help you out. Simply Safe is less than a buck a day, even though it has been named by a number of publications, the best home security system you can get. You set it up yourself in around 30 minutes. You're not making an appointment. Uh, a bunch of people randoms coming to your home. <laughs> uh, no long-term contracts either or commitments when you, when you get Simply Safe. Oh, you got to love that. Award-winning, no long-term commitments. Customize
3: the perfect system for your home in just minutes at Simplysafe.com slash armstrong. Go today, claim a free indoor security camera, plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafecom slash
4: armstrong. I thought the Washington Post was fairly hard on the administration in their uh, column today by Ashley Parker. White House wrestles with whether Russia has invaded Ukraine. Putin announced he's sending troops into Russia-backed separatist regions with Ukraine. Opinions differ on whether that is an invasion of the country.
3: You know what? Well, go ahead. If you have more than I, have a devastating point to make. Um, Well, go ahead. Make your devastating point. It's actually stolen from Ian Bremmer again, but he mentioned the $10 billion Nord Stream pipeline is now dead in the water. Putin knew that was coming. He didn't take that risk just to occupy territory Russia already controlled. He has a hell of a lot more in mind. So I believe the whole, is this an invasion or isn't it? I don't know, is going to be a conversation rendered moot and hilariously
4: pathetic within 48 hours. Well, it was Ian Bremmer himself quoted in this Washington Post article. Man, Ian is popping up all over the place. What the Americans had been saying until today was one troop, one tank. Serious sanctions. That's what Biden said. One troop, one tank crosses that border. The sanctions go into effect immediately. And the the administration decided instead yesterday to say, well, he went into a part of Ukraine that Russia's already kind of controlled and got troops there. So if there are troops already there, you can't call it an invasion. Man, that seems to be slicing it pretty thin to me. Michael McFowl, the U.S. ambassador to Russia under Obama. So he's not some Trump guy. He was Obama's. Ambassador to Russia tweeted, Russia is invading Ukraine right now. When you describe, describe Russian soldiers invading Ukraine right now as peacekeepers, taking the administration to task for using Putin's propaganda term in their own language, yeah. that's got to be practically unprecedented in world history. When you describe Russian soldiers invading Ukraine right now as peacekeepers, even when you use quotation marks, you're using language that Putin wants you to use. Call it what it is, an invasion. I thought that was a pretty big deal that the Washington Post pointed that out. You know, I have one more
3: point to jam in, and then maybe we can move on to something different next segment, Jack, depending on what do you you got more you want to uh, uh I'll
4: get you with the unleashed. final paragraph that Ashley Parker put in the Washington Post. As President's Day weekend came to inclo- to a close, the Biden administration's definition of a swift and firm response remained nearly as murky as what exactly constituted an invasion.
3: Yeah, fair enough. So the the final angle I want to hit is, I have assumed all along, and I've stated that Putin and Chairman Xi worked all of this out, and Putin agreed not to do anything until the Olympics were over, to avoid distractions, controversy, etc. That has happened. I think I was right about that. Ian Bremmer, though, with an angle that uh, I haven't heard this yet, but it's intriguing. 57, please, Michael.
5: This is a slap in the face to the Chinese. Uh, you'll remember President Putin went to Beijing uh, as part of the opening ceremonies for the Olympics and got the strongest coordinated support from Xi Jinping that the Russians have received in the post Cold War era. And, but the Chinese said explicitly, we want the Minsk agreements to be the basis going forward. We want negotiations. We, are, we recognize the territorial integrity of Ukraine. President Putin has just slapped in the face his most important major friend on the global stage. And we have not yet heard the Chinese respond to his measures. I am exceedingly interested in what the first statements from the Chinese will reflect.
3: Well, that is you know interesting. Oh, I'd like to have Ian on the phone right now, because I would say, Ian,
4: that was a feint. They didn't mean it. They didn't mean that, it for a second. That's funny. That's the first thing I thought. That's the first thing I thought. China said, OK, we're going to say you shouldn't do that. You go ahead and do it. We got dictator your 101,
3: please. Huh. Hmm. Scoop there, of vanilla, scoop of chocolate, to quote uh, City Slicker.
4: Is there a reason guy like Ian Bremmer's taking she and Putin at their word on these things? I don't know. It seems very odd. Yeah, it does seem odd. Uh, what do you expect to have ha- happen uh, over the next couple of days? More Warfare. Warfare. Yeah. Um, you can always join the conversation on the text line at 415-295-KFTC.
2: Armstrong
0: and Getty. This is it.
2: The Armstrong and Getty Show. AT&T is set tomorrow to shut down its 3G cellular network, as opposed to their 4G network, which shuts down whenever. <laughs> I don't have any
4: idea if I'm using 5G right now. Do you know? Uh, I don't think so. It said 5G on my phone for like two years, but I know it wasn't actually 5G. But didn't they start the 5G? Am I on 5G now? If I am, I don't notice any difference, so it's not quite as exciting as I thought it was going to be. I know I had well, to take in my Tesla to get revamped to be a 5G because it was a 3G. I don't know. If you would like, I will try to download a movie
3: in the blink of an eye. But
4: uh, yeah. Speaking of Tesla's. Um, and electric cars. This, I think, is about to become more of a topic because gas is about to skyrocket, and it's already really, really expensive. How do, I got on this uh, This uh, digging into statistics last night. Um, I'm a little concerned that there are too many people that are going to be happy with the high price of gas, like maybe even Joe Biden himself, because they want to push us into electric cars. Right. Uh, Europe did it intentionally with tax policy. One of the, um, what points out what a lie that whole green thing is with Biden is he has... And I read an article about this. So uh, as far as anybody can tell, he's never said the, the name Tesla. Biden has never mentioned it. So for a guy who believes global warming's an existential threat and, and electric cars are the most important advancement Americans could make, blah, blah, blah. He's never mentioned the only electric car that has ever made a dent, even started to make a dent in the popularity of electric cars. Right. As of two years ago, Tesla was. of all the electric cars sold two years ago. It went down some last year as it's getting more competitive. It will go down in the future. But the car maker that is 80% of all electric cars doesn't get mentioned by the green president who wants us to go to electric. And just in general, I've been saying this for years. Shut up about electric cars until they start to matter. And they don't yet. You know what percentage of cars sold in America last year? were all all electric cars, 2.6%. I said, you're kidding me. 2.6% of cars sold in America last year were electric cars. It's not even close to being a thing yet. Not even close. So shut up. And then especially if you aren't going to mention the one that is 80% of that 2%. So just shut up. Quit pretending that that's a thing. Oh, it's all
3: performative.
4: It is all performative. It's all phony. It's all just virtue signaling. You know, because the audience in New York and San Francisco who do drive that tiny percentage of electric cars, they think the nation is doing it. They don't know these statistics, apparently. Right. Yeah. They don't realize that there ain't nobody outside of your neighborhoods driving an electric car. They just ain't.
3: And if they actually gave an S about the uh, environment, the first thing they would do is reopen the Keystone Pipeline, for instance, and reestablish America's energy independence. It's all fake to buy off, you know, people who consider themselves progressives who are vaguely aware that the planet's slightly warmer and are all a are, uh, 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 Twitter about that. And so you, you throw them a bone. Here, look at me. I'm the
4: guy who's for green energy. Oh, I'm voting for you. I am so voting for you. Even well, it's I just, all phony. I think you're just going to hear a lot of gum flapping from the administration about electric cars over the next couple of weeks when gas is just going to go through the ceiling. You know, gum flapping is a common expression. But if your gums actually flap, see your dentist immediately. Yeah, like whatever you've got planned today, cancel it. <laughs> Get to
5: the dentist.
4: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> that sounds your pie awful.
3: Hole. Yeah, I know it. I know, it's terrible. They're all loose and hanging down. That's terrible. What happened? Good Lord. Your teeth have got to be in a pile on the floor at your feet. Gums are that loose. Oh my anyway, God. Anyway, what are we doing next hour? I remember it was exciting at the time. Oh, how the Democratic Party suppresses the vote. This is so interesting and so revealing.
4: Yeah, and uh, Bill Maher had a great report out of San Francisco on uh, Friday night on his HBO show we want to talk a little bit about, too, the crime and how all the craziness going on. Oh, well, and I want to squeeze in, if we can, a look back at the
3: now hilarious Pulitzer Prizes granted to the various major publications during the Russiagate thing for their brave reporting on Trump's
4: obvious ties to the Russians. And if you haven't heard why a lot of kids want to keep wearing their masks, it's troubling. Completely was not on my radar till today. You're going to want to hear it. If you miss an hour of the show, you can catch it at armstrongandgetty.com.
3: Armstrong and Getty.